Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome back to the PH Nutrition Podcast or welcome if it's your first time listening listening to the podcast. And my name's Liam, I'm the owner of PH Nutrition and I am delighted to be back in the hot seat with resident co-host Mr. Luke Hall. Mate, how are you on this wonderful Thursday morning? I'm good, thank you, Liam. I was saying to stuff there as well. I'm feeling a little bit kind of, a little bit swamped, a little bit overwhelmed at the minute. Lots of work, training's pretty intense, getting some sim qualifiers in as well. Yeah. But always, always got time to dive into a podcast with you. Oh, that's very kind words, mate. I, th- I think this time of year, I mean, all time, most of the time, people are busy and, and we always seem to be on this like constant trying to spin plates and, and keep everything moving, training, work nutrition social life is really challenging i think it, there's one thing that i found as well like when you get these times we're, we're all i think most of us are always busy to an extent but when we get these little pockets when we're really hyper busy hyper stressed a little bit overwhelmed a little bit swamped i think for me a big a big fundamental principle is always to try and simplify things simplify where you can you know, I've been doing a very similar thing, you know, being been doing a lot of stuff in terms of like different bits in work, trying to, you know, keep up with training, trying to keep up with nutrition, trying to be social. It's very challenging. And I think one of the things that I've done is definitely simplified my meals and kind of taken away the emotion of food is to be like, I don't, I do care what it tastes like because it tastes okay, but I'm not worried about eating the same thing two or three days or eating the same thing for breakfast and sorry, for lunch and dinner. Like I'm just almost having food as function that I know is going to serve a purpose as opposed to me worrying about, oh my God, I've got to cook all of these different things and different new recipes. Like it's almost like I've simplified that, I've simplified my training to be like, give myself a deadline, following in a program and I'm just turning up and getting it done as opposed to thinking that I'm going to be pulling down trees and making serious progress at the moment. Like power of that simplification in these periods where you can then really focus on the other things that are, you know, a little bit of a priority at the moment, I think is a, is a powerful thing. So definitely good, definitely. good stuff. Anyway, that little side note, we're going to get into the podcast today. We're going to talk about training and nutrition 
when you are in a calorie deficit, when we're trying to lose fat. And this is a common struggle, but this is an area where I think with pH, we really focus on kind of doing this with our coaching programs and helping people to achieve, you know, really, really good results. Cause I think there's a tendency to think that when you diet, that you have to disregard performance and that you have to disregard strength and you have to go through this like cutting and bulking or, you know, periods where you diet. And then right now I'm going to focus on, on, you know, getting my performance and training, you know, right. Whereas actually these can coexist. Um, and we wanted to dive into a little bit of a paper before we go into some more practical strategies. Now, this is a paper from last year. It's the effects of training load during dietary intervention upon fat loss. Uh, it was a randomized crossover trial. Now, I really liked this paper because it was done on middle-aged people. So not young college students, um, which is the normal, no, normally the, the, yep. the, the people that are, are, are in these types of studies, but it was 130 people as well. So a decent yeah, study. Big. Yeah, it was big, which was, which was really nice. And in, in essence, this was a kind of like four weeks of training where they did like a higher load, 80% of one RM and like a lighter load, 60% one RM resistance training. When they were in a calorie deficit, I think the calorie deficit was about 20% of their, their kind of maintenance calories. Um, they were only training twice a week, doing a single set nine exercises. Um, but then they had a washout period, an eight-week washout period, and they swapped over. What I really liked about this was it was doing exercise that are kind of real world, like a lot of kind of like, you know, normal gym stuff, full body. They were doing a decent calorie deficit, which is not like a super ridiculous 60% or 50% calorie deficit. You know, they tracked their food, decent amount of people, a mixture, 81 females, 49 males, and they hit their protein target. They gave them protein targets of 1.5 grams per kilo. So pretty optimal, maybe on the slightly lower end, which we'll get into a little bit later, but it was a decent amount of protein. Luke, just give us a little bit of a, an overview of what they found in this, in this paper. Yeah. So the, the, I guess the interesting thing is that they did, didn't really find much, which is good news. I guess there were very small amounts of kind of changes in fat loss and strength gain, um, which you kind of expect across a four week study where they only trained twice a week as well. But the, the kind of key thing was that it was very similar amounts as well. Yeah. So I think that the change in fat mass was rounded about sort of anywhere between 0.5 to sort of one kilos for both the heavy one the lighter training intervention and um, so as i say very small amounts like we're talking like one percent mass reductions across those four weeks for each one. strength gain as well was again very small and um, but it was about the same again across both of these so i think they on the they they were looking at kind of like one rep max on leg press chest press those kind of things and they added again like small amounts for each like i think it was something like five or 10 kilos on the leg press and then about two to four kilos on the chest press sort of yeah. thing across the time. Yeah. But again, the key kind of takeaway was that those results were similar for the 60% four weeks and the 80% 10, less than 10 reps four weeks period as well. So basically the, the, the main takeaway is there wasn't really much of a difference between them. So in this instance, four weeks of training, it's not going to be make a huge difference whether or not you're training sort of heavier or lighter as long as you're kind of getting the work done and doing it. It raises some interesting questions as well, though. I had some not issues because it's still a good study. It's good to kind of, you know, see what's happening. But I would be interested in seeing a longer study yeah, for sure definitely. and for each of them. You mean a, you mean a longer think, training period? 
yeah, longer training periods and so. potentially a higher volume training period yeah. as well. Cause I don't necessarily know if you're going to have kind of the, I, I would want to know what the impact of multiple longer, a longer deficit as well. Um, yeah. obviously uh, what impact that would have potentially, and we can sort of spitball, I guess, but in, I think that the higher intensity, i.e. the heavier group, there'd probably be more of a drop off in terms of strength gain through a longer period of time when you're in a deficit for longer, mm. just because that intensity will be slightly harder and you won't necessarily be able to match it. Cause we kind of know the impacts that a long period of being in a deficit as opposed yeah. to a sort of short four weeks. And this was obviously not long enough to necessarily see how that would impact heavier or lighter training. That was kind of my key thing that I think would, I'd want improving upon in this study for sure. Yeah. I, I think you, you nailed it for me. I think longer training period, but also I think a more not real world approach in terms of the training volume, but twice a week, I think, especially the people that are listening to this podcast and maybe doing at least three times a week you know, three or four times a week, I think then you would have seen, again, hypothesizing what would have happened. But over a longer period of time, doing four times a week, would you have seen better changes with the, with the, you know, in terms of strength, in terms of fat mass in the different groups? Like I say, there would have been probably an impact with the calorie deficit, but potentially maybe a little bit more, you know, kind of fat mass changes in terms of the into the, the kind of like in the, the higher or the lighter training, higher volume group for me. I, I think that that's what of we, we need to, I, I think it's studied wicked. I think if we extrapolated it out, I think it would be some, some really applicable real world kind of applications to this. But like you say that there is an impact in terms of an extended calorie, calorie deficit. I, I just don't think that there was enough volume to like say that the changes yeah. there were, were seen because the, sorry, the no, the no changes between the different groups were seen because actually they weren't doing that much. You know, I don't know. What do you think on that? Yeah, yeah. That that obviously plays an impact for sure. And, and it's one of those where obviously you want to match training volume even if one, one time you're going for higher reps, you still want kind of the volume across the week to be similar, I guess, yeah. um, so that it's even. But even then, as you say, that kind of two times a week, it's not necessary. I mean, it's enough. It's obviously, enough. you do see some changes, but not, to maximize the results that you potentially want to see. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So one of the other study, one of the other conclusions that we kind of derived from this was just because there was no difference on average, didn't mean that there was no difference for individuals. Some people did do better when they did heavier training. Some people did better when they did lighter training. Now, this kind of comes down to what we say about and probably what every single nutritionist, good coach on the internet would be like, oh, just find what works for you. <laughs> and in an essence, that is true. You know, sometimes for me, personal experience, anecdotal, is that sometimes I don't want to physically, like mentally, I don't have it in me to build up to heavier weights. Like either I don't have the time or I just haven't got it in me because I've had poor sleep or whatever. So doing a lighter training at a lower percentage of my 1RM is a, is a better thing for me, is an easier thing for me to be able to do. So am I going to get better results because I can actually commit to this more consistently, potentially? So if you are someone that is putting pressure on themselves to build up to, you know, heavier loads, then maybe look at adjusting this, you know, talking to a coach, getting onto a different program or following your, your, your boxes program or your gym's program, but just talking to the coach and adjusting it to be able to kind of get a little bit more, making sure that you're getting enough of the volume 
and intensity in there to see a difference. And then you know, that that's something that you might be a responder to that. So I do think that, you know, it's it's something that we, you know, the average is good, but actually trying to find that individuality is, is really good from your from your training. And that will change over the year. You know, I think talking about you, you you're going for a tough period at the moment. You're kind of training for Sid or prepping for Sid. I know you, you did this earlier in the year when you were going to team comp as well. And then other times you kind of take it back and you do a little bit more. Like you say, you, you've got a bit more time on your hands so you can do slightly longer sessions potentially or build up to doing certain things. So, you know, it's it's about figuring out kind of what works for you there. One of the questions that I wanted to pose to you is that when we talk about adjusting your program and everything else, like what if you, how would you approach or advise someone that is doing a gym or a CrossFit class? Do you know what I mean? Like if, if they're going in and we're telling them to adjust to doing lighter weights, more volume or heavier training, but it's already programmed. Like how did, how does someone approach it from, from that sort of thing? If they feel that they get better results with either or. I mean, with, with CrossFit class, obviously there's always that, that ease of scaling which is leaving your ego at the door kind of thing. And if you feel like you're going to do that. But I'd also potentially suggest doing less CrossFit, doing more kind of resistance training at those like with, like you sort of alluded to there. Yeah. I know you started doing a bit more bodybuilding within your training as of late. And again, it's that idea of you can be a bit more efficient with it. You Definitely. can be a little bit quick. You can get a little bit more volume on than, you know, spending 20 minutes to warm up a 15-minute watt mm. uh, or whatever it may be. And um, so it can be a case of prioritizing there as well. Definitely. Yeah. As for kind of nutrition and how that, works, I think it's worth as well. If you're in a deficit, those CrossFit sessions tend to be a little bit more intense than bodybuilding sessions too. Yeah. So it's one of those where you may find that you aren't necessarily able to push the intensity um, of those sessions the way you would want to anyway, if you're in a prolonged deficit. Yeah. It's one of the, there are obviously things you can do when in a deficit to maximize training so looking at obviously um, where you're having carbs and, and periodizing it a little bit there yeah but there's dialing training down in a period when you really want to sort of focus on fat loss not dialing down in terms of volume but in terms of intensity mm. i think is still quite a useful thing to do yeah I, i've definitely noticed the benefit of that rather than like you say building up to try and it, well it's kind of like what I, I spoke spoke about at the start of the podcast is that you know, sometimes you're going to have these periods where you can really nail your training. You can really invest and you really feel like you're, you know, you're kind of grinding through and, and making, making progress. And other times you need to be focusing on like, well, I don't want to regress. I want to maintain. I want to make smaller gains. I want to make smaller kind of steps forward with, with my training, with my health and my nutrition, whatever. And it's, you know, it, it's just adjusting it and be, and being kind of like, you know, realistic with it. I think at the moment, I think if you, you know, you're deluded, if you're going to be someone that is thinking that they're going to just can be PBing every single month for 12 months, 24 months, 36 months of the year, year on year. So it's, it's one of them where I think having that realistic approach is, is definitely helpful. Help me definitely to kind of shift my mindset and put less pressure on myself. You, you, you spoke about things that we can do to help with training when we're in a energy deficit. Like I said, this is something that we really worked on to figure out the principles that we do in our coaching programs. Now, one of them, you just said that they're like timing in your carbohydrates. Rather than periodization, talking about timing, food intake, carbohydrates. Just give a little bit of insight in terms of some of the stuff that you might kind of, you know, give someone or prescribe to someone that's come on that goes, Luke, I want to lean out, but I want to make sure that I don't sacrifice performance. I want to make sure that I can keep getting stronger like what type of things can we can we give people to 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 focus on 
I mean, one of the one of the big things that you can do, which is one of the most simple ones as well, is that kind of sandwiching your training and most of your food. Ultimately, not necessarily most, as in like you only eat between the hours of training, having slightly kind of a higher carb and maybe a little bit higher in calorie meals to training, maybe that meal before as well. So obviously, we talk a lot of kind of training meals and anytime meals and that kind of thing, which is just that nice easy principle where the meal closest to training a little bit more carbohydrates kind of get ready to fuel that and maybe use your snacks a little bit more strategically as well mm. so that you know sort of 60 minutes before training session you can have some simple carbohydrates to kind of get the most out of that. so that energy in day energy availability around that session is kind of as high as it can be when you're in a deficit and obviously away from training maybe on rest days that kind of thing you can tweak your intake just a little bit and carbs down to get a little bit more fiber in a little bit more and saturate that kind of stuff and to really make the most of it i think that's a, a super super useful thing to do we know as well that when you're in a deficit one of the biggest things that gets impacted from training is recovery mm. so you can try to optimize recovery so making sure you're getting good quality in making sure that your sleep is on point as well and um, whether that's maybe using a couple of supplements to help with sleep stuff like magnesium maybe some l-theanine that kind of thing as well can massively massively help this yeah. case of doing everything right and then creating almost that buffer to lose to lean out where it's best so whether that's from training or on rest days kind of thing and making sure that energy availability is highest around training so that you can push it yeah. in, in those sessions I, I think it's really good advice and some people would be hesitant to eat that well people that are losing weight sometimes are hesitant to eat you know around their training aren't they i know it's you know it's one of them where would be scared, think that they're not going to be burning fat if they eat before their workouts. Whereas what we need to approach it is that it's obviously what you do on average. You create an energy deficit across the day, across the week, across the month. That's what's going to derive fat loss. Now, when we are in an energy deficit, we're already placing stress on the body. We're always asking it to, to you might say, it's, it's, it's a tough time. Then you compound that with excessive training or training in a underfueled state. Again, you can get away with it for a little bit, I think, but it's that long-term, well, not long-term, like extended period of time where you are trying to lose weight and trying to maintain your performance. What we find that works well, like Luke said, is if you are sensible with where you put your carbohydrates and your snacks and your food, you can increase the energy availability within your day, within your session, and then also maintain a calorie deficit across the day, across the week, across the you know, the two weeks to help you to lose weight. The practicality of that is because they've been very sensible with, you know, simple carbohydrates, but then away from your training session, it's not just to eat meals, like not just remove all your carbohydrates from these meals or while on rest days or evening meals and training in the morning, but it's to replace them is to have smarter options. I think it's like extra vegetables that are going to provide satiety and fiber and volume. It's about having better carbohydrates, such as instead of having lots of rice or pasta, having potatoes, which are a little bit more voluminous that are going to give you a little bit more, you know, satiety within that meal, as opposed to just, well, I'm going to just make my meals a lot smaller because I'm going to have a sports drink before my workout. And now I don't have any carbohydrates left. Like, that's the incorrect way to approach it. Yeah. And the correct way, like Luke said, is to bookend your your workouts with it to provide your body with a little bit of support in that session 
it means you feel better. It means your recovery is more efficient. It means you can keep training and not placing more stress onto the body. That then, let's say, be sensible with with your food intake away from it. Now, you spoke about there about kind of lowering and resting. We've spoken about this before about periodizing your nutrition within the week almost, rather than just kind of like blocks of like six and eight weeks. And I think a common thing is to get on the like what we what I call the roller coaster diet, where you're just having high carbs or high intake on training days and then just cutting your intake drastically on rest days i more want people to be focusing on like a smaller kind of like yeah change between those days is that something that you found works better yeah and and it's also really easy to do especially if you've got kind of a structure built in that is beneficial the getting your intake so like we kind of mentioned before that that change on rest day could be as easy as oh i normally have some simple carbs before training so on a rest day take that away nice and easy Mm. and and there's obviously other tiny little things that you can do like that but that would be the kind of changes that i'd be meaning it would be one of those where like liam said prioritizing those meals on rest days to be yeah less high gi carbs in those meals more low gi more fiber more good quality not a case of taking it all out completely but yeah. Just those really nice, quick, easy little changes. Definitely. Any specific workout nutrition, if you're not working out, take it out, that kind of thing. So you don't need to be having two squares bars on a rest day because you normally have two squares bars and you want to hit that kind of like target or whatever. Double um, squares bars, eh? That's a big pre-workout. Getting it in you, uh, Luke. Yeah. That's sit press. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got to not have those every day. They are just, just from a taste point of view, I get a little bit sick of them after a while. Yeah. A little but, bit too sweet. Yeah, but, definitely. Definitely. But you make a really good point about making simple changes. I mean, this is what we're all about anyway, but making simple changes to your diet because we're looking at sustainability with your nutrition and making sure that you can easily change it and be consistent rather than Something that Chloe, our, you know, our coach and owner in the Female Performance Project, talks about is you shouldn't really have training day foods, non-training day foods, weekend foods, weekday foods. It should be just be able to be manipulating your nutrition on specific days. It's fine to eat rice and pasta on non-training days, but you just got to be, you know, accounting for it, poor control. But if you have meal prep, like you say, some dinner or some food or whatever, or you're cooking it then it's totally fine to have it because I think there's easier adjustments to make as opposed to going like, oh, I've got to cook different meals on different days. I've got to have different amounts and I've got to cut all my carbohydrates out on rest days and then I feel sluggish the next day going into training. And then again, you get on that roller coaster. So I think more balanced approach with small, simple changes, I think is definitely an easier way to be able to maintain your calorie deficit whilst improving your performance. So give that one a go. The... The thing that I wanted to talk about just to kind of, you know, start to kind of wrap things up is about the amount or, or the the deficit that you actually kind of commit to and the length of time. So this study gave a 20% energy deficit. And like I said, why I liked this study was actually, I think that's a good, it's not a good starting point, but I think it's a realistic kind of approach to maintaining performance. What you have to understand is that the more that you want to focus on improving your performance or maintaining your performance, the smaller your calorie deficit should be. Because if you start to gonna go very aggressive with the energy deficit that you create, you have to understand that it makes it very challenging to maintain or improve your performance. There's B 
big gap that gets created then. If you make it smaller and potentially extend the length of time that you're going to be following a diet or trying to achieve a goal weight or get to a certain you know, uh, body composition, it allows you to maintain that performance, which is, which is a really key thing for me because it's more enjoyable. You feel better in training, you better recovery. If you create a bigger gap, what pro- the problem is, is that you're providing less macronutrients, you're providing less, potentially less micronutrients, and you have just less ability to be able to fuel your sessions and, and provide your body with stuff to recover. So I think that's where I would approach your nutrition. So instead of being like, right, I've got this four weeks to, to hit a goal weight, I would say like, look, get rid of the goal weights, focus on just leaning out and extend it to six weeks, eight weeks, or make that deficit a little bit smaller and just focus on improving your performance and strength as well as trying to lean out a little bit. For me, that's a, sen- that's a more sensible strategy if you want to maintain and improve your performance. What's your, thought- what's your thoughts on that, bud? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's that's sometimes, obviously, you get a lot of coaches that basically say you need to pick one thing mm. uh, to focus on, whether that's leaning out or performance at any one time. And I think you can obviously still see benefits with both. I think, obviously, there's certain population groups that you see are more able to do that. Obviously, we talk about you know, new people that are new to training they will lean yeah. out, they'll improve their performance like that easy. And they can probably do that in a bit more deficit as well. If your training age, uh, so how many years you've been training for is obviously bigger, then it's much more of a fine balance and yeah. finding that. So smaller deficits for longer periods of time mean you're less likely to affect your performance, but still sort of see the results you want. Um, I know some people, obviously, I've talked about periodizing nutrition a lot um, and they'll just zoom out and look at the year and be like, well, I'm going to go aggressive for four weeks get to a certain point and then i'll kind of improve performance and do it kind of in a gradual way where as i'm reintroducing some um, intensity and volume i'm slowly bringing my intent back up as well so that it's not like all or nothing it's yeah. more like a aggressive for a short period of time and then boom let's bump it up and kind of a, a maintenance that is where you're at your most kind of fueled and ready to go and so again it's almost I guess personal preference for that kind of thing Definitely. if it's a case of not wanting to sacrifice at all even for four weeks performance issues then yeah smaller deficit and then longer periods of time yeah i think i think you're right there with the zooming out across you could even do it across six months you know if you're planning for potentially for next year for example you could be like right january if you're doing the open in february you might want to go relatively aggressive for two weeks for the first couple of weeks of january just to kind of lean out but then you shouldn't be going aggressive for six weeks because you're going to be then doing the open so again, your your performance is going to be impacted leading into the open. So you've got to be like looking at like, right, maybe a couple of weeks where you're a bit more aggressive. And in that time, you have to understand that your performance won't be optimal. Okay. Your goal is to lose weight and change your body composition. Your goal isn't to, to improve your performance. It's to maintain it, I think. And then you need to zoom out to be like, right, I've got a holiday. I've got a wedding. I've got this. I've got that across the thing. When do I, can, when in my, in my month, in my six months, in my year, can I be aggressive and be realistic with this and be like, okay, I can map that out. And like Luke said, then you can have these times where you're, you're, you're not constantly dieting. You know, you, you, you know, you're at a maintenance, you're at a smaller deficit on a couple of days a week. You're, you know, focusing on, on kind of nourishing the body as opposed to kind of constantly dieting. And for me, the word periodization can be something that, scares people 
realistically, it's just a bit of planning, isn't it? And just about kind of like plotting it in the right times. But I think your approach is very realistic. And if you get people to do that, I think hopefully people will see, see a little bit more progress, but also a little bit less stress in terms of like about their nutrition, about constantly dieting, about not kind of seeing results. So yeah, you don't have to disregard them. The, the, the kind of needle will shift a little bit in terms of like, you know, what is going to be the priority. But I don't, I don't really agree that you need to disregard one or the other. But yeah, good stuff. Anything else you want to touch on this, mate? No, I think that was that was kind of pretty much everything that I wanted to cover for sure. Um, as I say, it's a good good study to kind of look at the differences, and it kind of always comes back to that individual preference. Which, yeah, we could talk a bit hours about yeah. about finding what works best for you in a training, but just kind of being aware of things as well. Yeah. Absolutely, buddy. Absolutely. I think sometimes we can also look for studies that have a big result. And I think these days there's fewer and fewer of these studies that are coming out with like a a big, massive, groundbreaking, you know, uh, discovery or result. And actually sometimes the ones that prove that certain things that, you know, principles that we, that we kind of focus on, uh, and have don't have an actual big result. Actually, these I think is a really powerful studies to still get done. So, yeah, I liked it. I think it was good. Plus, it opened a good conversation around training in calorie deficit. So, thank you very much for that. Look, I hope this helps, guys. Like, it's something that we put a lot of stress on the body, put a lot of worry on our body. I don't want people to be constantly dieting, and and hopefully, this is the type of conversation and the education around it on these podcasts that we are providing you. And if you are a little bit lost with your nutrition how to structure it how to periodize it when to kind of focus on you know kind of cutting down your intake when to focus on performance how to titrate back up from a deficit you know to a more of a maintenance then look this is what we do this is this is how we can help like that's nutrition coaching for me having this fresh set of eyes having this plan having this kind of framework that you follow you know, that that's what it's about because i think most people are pretty good with like you know with understanding the basics of nutrition you've just got to be out of it kind of put it in place to make it structured and sustainable so, so i hope this podcast helped in terms of giving you a few pointers around fueling when you're in a you know in a deficit like i said anything else that you need just pop us a message on instagram drop us an email on the website any paper any topic anything else that you want us to kind of cover then just uh, you know say dms is probably the best way on instagram uh, we'll get we'll get right on it we'll add it to the list but thank you so much for listening and uh, thank you for your continued support and hopefully we'll catch you on the next episode do you see the button for a minute now there we go cracking stuff cool good mate i think for me that was a, that that's the kind of nice premise of the the research reviews 